1: Welcome everybody to episode 63 of the Green Light Podcast. We are joined by none other than Tyson Wheeler, the legend, the man, the myth. Coach, <laughs> welcome man. Thank you for coming on. It's been a minute since we uh, since we saw each other Zoom to Zoom.
0: Yeah, yeah man. I appreciate you guys having me on, Ian, Paul. Appreciate you guys. I'm excited to be here and uh, let's get this thing started.
1: Yeah man, night one of uh, the 2020 college basketball season. We have no idea what is going to happen over the next five or six months. We're going to get into it, but before all that stuff, for the people that may not be aware of your background, your story, your journey, um, want to give you the opportunity to, to let people know uh, your basketball journey.
0: All right, well, you know, I grew up in southeastern Connecticut. I went to New London High School, you know. CT. CT guy, New England guy. Um, went to a, a small high school in New London, Connecticut, same high school as Chris Dunn. Um, so that's where I started my journey, man, grew up there in a, in a small town, very good situation for me growing up there because it was a, like a competitive, uh, city, you know, if you didn't bring your game, you, you couldn't make it. So, you know, that right there gave me my edge, um, to get to where I needed to be. Uh, so I went to New England high school, graduated there and I had to make a decision on what college I wanted to go to. And I chose university of Rhode Island. I thought it was the best fit for me. Um, the way I played I love the coaching staff with Al Skinner um, Bill Cohen and Tim O'Shea great group of guys Ed Cooley came on on my junior year so you know I was fortunate to have him as well he was like the dobo at the time Um, so that's why I started my career I would love to see Cooley in a dobo role (laughs) oh boy he was my strength and conditioning guy so I'll just tell you right there that's when he was really big big strong muscle guy (laughs) Um, You know, I had my career there uh, with Rhode Island. We started off with a young team, seven freshmen, uh, and we had to grow. We had to learn how to play together and how to learn how to win. Uh, So I thought it was a great situation for me. I wasn't highly recruited out of New London High School. Not a lot of schools were after me. My high school coach's philosophy was if you're good enough, they'll find you. There was no YouTube. There was was no TikTok, anything like that, so I couldn't make any (laughs) highlight films. Um, If I wanted to be seen, I had to be lucky. Um, you know, I played for a small AAU program called the New London Hoopsters. Um, we traveled to New England, New York, New Jersey. And, and, you know, we played, you know, the Gauchos, um, Long Island Panthers, what they were called back then, and BABC were the main teams. And so that's where I got my exposure.
1: The new, the new yeah. London Hoopsters. They didn't really get creative in the name, that's for
0: sure. No, not at all.
1: <laughs> Keep it simple. Keep it simple. Um, all right, so URI, I know, I know you explained why you went there, but what were the other schools that were recruiting you?
0: So I, I took an official visit to Long Beach State. Um, Harford was, re- yeah. <laughs> was recruiting me, Western Michigan, Jacksonville, um, Fairfield. So it wasn't a big, big group all of schools. Over the place. Yeah. yeah, all over the place. So, but I played in a tournament in Providence. It was a, called the Cage Classic, Converse Cage Classic, and I played really well against Steve Wojciechowski. Steve and, and after that tournament, Providence got in the picture and UConn got in the picture. Mm-hmm. So I, I went up to talk to uh, Coach Calhoun, and he explained the situation to me, like, if Danielle Marshall decided to go to the NBA and Brian Fair is going to transfer, he'll have a scholarship for me. And so I was like, you know, I'm a Connecticut guy. I always wanted to play, you know, at UConn. So I was like, yeah, this is a great opportunity, but I didn't want to take a chance, you know. And Al, Al Skinner really uh, really made me aware, like Tyson, you better take the scholarship or you ain't going, you ain't, I'm not going to let nobody else uh, take it, but you need to take the scholarship or, uh, you know, go to UConn and sit the bench. So I, I think I made the right choice.
1: I think so too.
2: Yeah. And then obviously I know Paul puts it together, but on looking at your background, your bio, not many people can say they're good enough to be on an all-century team. And you think you ranked first in assists, second in steals, second on the all-time scoring list. Did you ever envision that career when you're going in? Obviously under recruited guy. Hey, I'm I'm gonna prove them wrong. I'm gonna be Hall of Famer, all century. What what? What was that process like? And when did you realize how much of an impact you could make on that program?
0: Well, to be
2: honest, I just wanted to go somewhere I could possibly
0: play. Um, I was on the fringe of a D1 player. Um, a lot of schools, like I said, didn't recruit me. And Al Skinner gave me a, a great opportunity. He said, Tyson, I'm going to give you a chance to play. You got to earn your minutes. And I had to go against a kid named Sean Colson every single day who, uh, was a kid from Philly who played with Katino Mobley in high school at MCI, Maine Central Institute, and he was, a, he was a bad boy. He could really hoop, and he used to bust me up every single day in practice. And I was like, man, maybe I made the wrong choice. I'm not going to play a lot here. Sean is too good. Um, but that just instilled me working harder, knowing that I had to compete every single day. It wasn't going to be easy. And, and fortunately, Coach Skinner gave me the starting nod. He believed in me and the young team to run a team and i and i think the first big game i played was against providence and i had 16 points and i was like wow maybe i'm good enough to play in division 1 it can make an impact you know so that game right there really gave me the confidence to, to continue to, to you know to flourish
1: i'm know? i'm happy your confidence came against pc cuz we're going to ask you the real question <laughs> in the podcast in a little bit but we're going to let you we're going to let you breathe on it um all right so you so your freshman year you guys finished 7 and 20
0: Seven and twenty.
1: So talk about going from seven and twenty to yep. you and Catino leading them. Um, your I think it was your senior year you went to the Elite Eight, right?
0: Senior year,
1: yep, yep. I mean, talk about that because honestly, if you were right now, you and Catino would have transferred.
0: Exactly, exactly. Or so, oh, they would have recruited over us. <laughs> yeah,
1: you guys committed, and then boom, four years later, you're in the Elite Eight. Like how how crazy of like a mental shift in four years is that? That's nuts.
0: Uh, It was crazy. So the situation was, again, we had seven freshmen come in. We didn't know how to win. We were a bunch of under-recruited kids who were all hungry. Um, And Coach Skinner gave us a chance to, you know, play through the bruises, bumps and bruises. You know, the Atlantic 10 was no joke. UMass was number one in the country. We played against Arizona. We played against Providence. So we had to take our bumpers and bruises as freshmen. The crazy thing about it is we lost 11 games by five points or less. 11. So, you know, we just didn't understand how to win and didn't know how to win. So it was all a learning experience for us. And and the really big turning point for us was when my sophomore year came and we got um, Antonio Reynolds Dean and Preston Murphy. You know, those two guys really changed our program. Um, We needed some size up front. Um, And Antonio, he's a shot blocker rebounder, another under-recruited guy, and Preston Murphy coming from Michigan who was an unbelievable shooter. When he came on his visit, I don't think he missed one shot in all the pickups we played. So, you know, him, him coming off the bench, backing me up, and Antonio starting and coming in, and he was a rookie of the year, really changed our program. We went to the NIT, and it was because of those guys. Uh, Catino, our sophomore year, didn't play. He broke his wrist in preseason. Yeah. So so it was it was tough for us. But, again, with those two added pieces and Chad Thomas, a Juco kid, we really competed at a high level and learned how to win. So it was a big change.
2: Odom, yeah. Lamar Odom was supposed to be part of that class too, Ridge, correct? No, my senior year, he came in. My senior year, yeah. Senior year, he came in. And then that, is that one, is he, a guy? obviously, you put a lot of talented guys, and you already spoke about it. Is that one where you. this is a guy, hey, this could take us over the top if he, if he was eligible, is that something that's going to separate you? Is that something you look back on? Like, man, if, if we had this right away, this could have been that extra piece to get us passing and lead eight and, and to a final four, I mean. I, I definitely. I think so. I think we had enough pieces. We had
0: Luther Clay, um, yeah. who was a McDonald's All-American and a top 15 player in the country who transferred from Purdue. Another kid that wasn't wanted yeah. and had it played with a chip on his shoulder. He was another big piece for us with Antonio and him um, and Preston and Coutinho. I, and Josh King, who was a 6'8 shooting guard who transferred from a school out in California, another, again, another person, another team that didn't want him. Um, so we built a good, good core group of guys that were hungry. You know what I mean? Um, and if Lamar played with us, it would have been a totally different story uh, with him, you know, 6'11 at the three, with me, Katino, one and two, Antonio and Luther. It, it would have been, been tough. And, and, you know, you talk about um, being able to play with, together with a team. Um, I don't think we would have missed a beat with Lamar because he was so unselfish, you know, you know, playing with the Lakers and the Clippers, he was so unselfish. I think he could have been like a 25 point score, but he was so giving and wanted to play with a team that he would have fit in perfect with our team. Um, so it would really helped. He transferred from UNLV and could have played the second semester, but he decided not to, he wanted to go to a league and like play the whole year and go to the league. So
1: yeah, you, you mentioned, um, we're gonna to get to the Providence question, but you mentioned mm. you had a lot of guys that were under recruited. Is it possible to get under recruited right now? You know, you meant there, there was no you, there was no huddle, there no, you know what I mean. Is it possible to do that? Like, I, I still think guys can miss. Don't get me wrong, you mm. can miss on a kid, and he goes to Sacred Heart and averages twenty five, and then transfers to seat. Transfers you out, can miss. Right.
0: right? But yep. can you get under? I, I think you can. Um, especially if you're not in a prep school okay. and you're not on a big AAU program, sure. so you can get under-recruited, um, and it, it all depends. You know, we get emails all the time from, from, um, recruits yep. and, you know, you, you might want to look at them. You might not. A lot of them are not kids that aren't good enough, but they're trying to sell themselves. Uh, and then you have to go against the high majors. Um, you know, like when I was at Fairfield, you had to go against Atlantic 10, uh, Big East type of uh, talent. And they may have been re- getting recruited to that higher level, but they were good enough. They should have been playing in the Mac. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. So you can still miss. Um, there's a lot of outlets where you, you should miss. Um, and there's a lot of kids that are hunting, you know, offers. Yeah. Yeah. And, <laughs> them about offers.
1: and Exactly. And let everybody know. And, everybody know. <laughs> and uh, God bless. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Unbelievable. Um, um, all right, man. So you're a URI guy. Uh yes. so th- this is this is my honestly I, the podcast could end after this but okay. my favorite question in <laughs> this entire podcast is how much do you hate providence and I know you're going to give a freaking politically correct answer but after you right. do that tell me about that rivalry cuz it's very real very real well
0: well it's very real and back then the thing about them again when I was a freshman we were playing against Austin Crozier um, Eric Williams um, who you else
1: have to go
0: have? Gun? yeah, for two years, I think he was younger than me. So he okay. he was younger than me. So he wasn't there my freshman year. So they had a really good team, a few NBA players. Mm-hmm. So, and we were young and didn't know how to win. And, you know, it was for us, it was like a big moment. So we were ready to compete. Um, so we lost it in my freshman year. Then they brought the whole New York crew in my sophomore year with Sham God, Jamel Thomas, um, Derek, um, uh, Brown. So they had a, with Austin Crozier still Ruben Garces. So we would see them out in the summertime and they being uh, you know, hanging out partying and just thinking they were the, the biggest thing since sliced bread. So that just, you know, it just irked the crap out of us as competitors. We wanted to beat them so bad. Um, so I don't know if it's hate as much as is, you know, don't try to shine too much in front of us and think you're just going to disrespect us. Um, You know, we put our shoes on the same way as you, we want to win just as bad as you and we got recruited just like you did at division one level. So it's a great rivalry. You know, I know Cooley will say it's not these these days anymore, but for us, you know, out of my four years, we beat them twice. And, you know, we went at them every single year.
1: I think, I think my
0: favorite quote from
1: (laughs) Cooley was, uh, this should always be played at the dunk. Like he was throwing right. so
0: much shade. At, what's
1: it called? The Ryan Center. What's that? What's your gym called?
0: Ryan Center, yep, yep.
1: Ryan Center. He was throwing so much shade. I thought that was – and it was so it was so on brand because it was like elitist and we're above it. And I want like, yes. co- you know, give me my Dunkin' Coffee when I walk in here. I'm not gonna call Ryan. You know what I mean? That was so perfect for cool. But that,
0: that that's cooling for you. That's cooling for um, you. He knows was, how to get under your skin.
1: So spot on, and then um, Hurley. Yeah, it was Hurley when we were there, right? I think I think it was Cooley versus Hurley the first. Right? I think I think yeah, that's yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. He he played he played. I mean Hurley maybe three years, three or four years maybe. I want to say.
1: Yeah, he was there for a. But I'm just trying. I can't remember who was before Hurley, the coach.
0: Um, Baron.
1: Yeah, you're. Oh, oh yeah, 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 yeah. That's right. That's right. Jim took Jim over Barron, him, yeah. But but Cooley and Hurley. Got into yelling matches in the middle oh, of all the, the
0: game. time. In yes. the middle of the game, like I used to go to the games. No, <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's I remember hilarious. Thinking, like, like I haven't
1: seen this guy yell at any coach, and those two guys are just—I mean—they're doing. Are
2: we that this year? Now, like now, with oh, UConn back in the day, like oh, in. you can believe it. Best believe it. It's going to yeah, happen
0: without a doubt.
1: And I know, I know, behind the scenes, they probably like each other, and, and I know they respect each other. But they're both cut from the same cloth, and they're competitive as shit and they're exactly. just going to – they're going to go after each other. Exactly. So was, it was and unbelievable.
2: That's, that's kind of a perfect transition because, I, I obviously, after Rhode Island, you, know, you, had a, you had a long career playing professionally and playing overseas. What made you then want, want to get into coaching? What, I, obviously, you were around a ton hmm. of, obviously, incredible, bright coaches that have had a lot of success. Yep. Was that right. – was there a, a fire lit in you that, hey, I know once I'm done playing, I'm going to coach? Or what, what was that transition like for you that, that, that got you into coaching? To
0: be honest, I never thought I would coach. I never thought about it. Um, I never really wanted to coach. I thought I'd be playing basketball until I was like 40-something, then I'd just go off and retire. Um, so when I was about 30, 31, I tore my Achilles. And I didn't recover um, quite as well as I thought I would and be at the level that I was playing at. So I had to retire a couple of years after that. I wasn't getting the same type of jobs. And so, you know, Antonio Reynolds, D, my college teammate and roommate, He was about to go to Northeastern as an assistant coach. He was a Dobo at Fairfield where Ed Cooley was. And he's like, Tyson, you can't play anymore. I got a job for you. I'm going to tell Coach Cooley to hire you. Coach Cooley's going to come to your house and and convince you to come to Fairfield. So Cooley came to my house. Oh,
1: hard pause. What was was the pitch in the living room For him to convince you to probably pay you $30,000. (laughs) $1,000.
0: Exactly. I had some benefits, I think. Yeah, I had some benefits. Yeah, the benefit
1: was I'll pay you to run summer camp.
0: (laughs) Exactly. And I did all the work. So um, he said, Tyson, you're not getting paid no more. You're washed up. Take this this effing job and come to Fairfield. He said, you got to take care of your family. And my wife was pregnant at the time. So I was like, dang, maybe I could still play, but I'm not getting the same type of money. He's like, man, listen, you're coming to Fairfield. And so I I took the job.
1: He, I mean, it was spot on. Lunch would happen. We do our little speeches. Some coach, you know, you would have to convince some coach to come in and talk to all the kids. And when Cooley did it, he would crush you on some shot. That happened at URI. I don't remember the story, but it was every yeah. summer, every week. You'd be like, and then Tyson was there in the corner.
0: And what happened? Student <laughs> air ball and just crushed you. What, what was that?
1: What was that game?
0: I think he was talking either that game. Um, I'm trying to think if it was per, uh, Purdue. Oh, you know, we lost whatever. to Purdue. Whatever. Yeah. my junior year or it could have been my three foul shots to, to go to the final four against Stanford, <laughs> it was, you know, it was, any of those two moments, the foul shots, killing me, uh, no. killing the brothers, didn't matter, I had 22 and 10, yeah,
1: double, double life, man, <laughs> all right, so you get, you get your, um, how long were you at Fairfield,
0: uh, 10 years, wow, 10 years, and you survived, two with, two with, two with Cooley and eight with uh, Sidney Johnson,
1: Eight with Sid. Okay, yeah, I couldn't yep. remember if you survived two or three different coaches because that's a yep. that's a um, special feat to do that. Um, yeah. All right. Let's let's get into to nowadays coaching in college basketball because literally mm-hmm. it's changed. It almost it almost completely changes every five years. It feels like. And with social media, right. it's a completely different beast. The NIL stuff is gonna flip everything on its head. Oh, what are yep. some of the What are some of the biggest challenges coaching? today's college basketball player
0: well first of all they they all want to be the man right away and if they're not they're going to make a change so that's really tough um you know kids change prep schools high schools aau programs like nothing it's hard for them to go through adversity so that's one of the most hardest things for me to try to coach a kid that can't handle adversity and runs away from it. Um, But also, you know, I can coach X's and O's. I can teach a kid how to read the game, skill development. One of my biggest challenges I I found, um, you know, coaching at Fairfield and now at UMass is the mental toughness of the game and the competitive nature from the kids. You know, being a former player and being in the trenches and and, and figuring a way out to win, uh, and you, you might not always win, but you're always there to fight. Um, trying to teach these kids how to be mentally tough in the moment is one of my biggest challenges, I think. Um, And then compete, you know, some, some, some nights you're like, Oh, you got to play harder. You got to go harder. What are we doing? You're you're trying to win this game. You got to give you everything. So I think that's one of the biggest challenges for me as an assistant coach. Uh,
1: I actually, Ian, I know you want to, we want to get into the UMass stuff, but I wanted to follow up here too. Like, I actually think a lot of that is, the problem is in the youth basketball space and in the high school space right like you mentioned it people ch- kids change aau teams at the at the quickest i mean after a tournament i mean i've seen yes.
0: kids literally
1: <laughs> jerseys a kid literally freaking riverside yep. like change jerseys in a tournament yep.
2: at, at all the, sorts of skill level i were yes, really-
1: i at all, at all levels that's the issue at the top 1% at part of me is like i get it because literally the only thing on your mind is like i'm going to college for free i'm trying to go to the nba i get i kind of get that part of it i'm not saying it's still right and 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 the youth basketball has has sped this process up right because Mm -hmm. then you get like a sixth grade coach that wants to be the head coach at umass and now he's trying to put together a team and competing with this aau and oh we got to get into this prep school and and it's just a disaster, and I don't know – I don't even know if I have a question from this, but, like, <laughs> I, I don't understand how we're going to stop it, right? Like, there's yeah. – uh, we've had so many coaches on, and we always talk about culture and, like, how are we going to protect the game? What is the game going to look like in 20 years? You listen to Greg Popovich, yeah. he can't stand AAU. He hates no, America. American-born right. players. He doesn't want anything to do with them. How are we right. going to change it? That, that's my question. Like, what can we fundamentally do to change it? I don't know.
0: Yeah, I, I don't have an answer for you either. If we that's had that okay. answer,
2: we would we, yeah, be, be killing we'd be, Exactly.
0: Yeah.
2: All exactly. Right. Well,
1: yeah, I don't, I don't know. That's, that's my rant of the pod for that. But let's, let's get into UMass. Go ahead, E.
2: No, and, and obviously at UMass now, and the second season there, and, and you guys, you start a young team, um, mm-hmm. 14 and 17 overall, 11 and 5 at home. Um, I know I was looking at the count. You guys played. Your second game was at Fairfield, correct? Yes. Pack. Yes, And it was a close game too. Before I even get into UMass, how was that experience for you? After ten years at Fairfield, you're on another sideline right. going back there. Was how odd was that?
0: Yeah, I mean, it was it was different, especially being there for ten years, you know. Yeah. But I, you know, I got to see some of the kids I recruited that were still on the team, obviously. Um, you know, as a competitor, I wanted to win, but I always want to see Fairfield do well. You know, they gave me my first opportunity in the coaching profession, so. You always want to see those kids do well, but not that night, you know what I mean? Yep. Um, but it, it was it was it was nice. My daughter goes to school there, she's graduating this year, so you know it's pretty exciting.
2: No, that's all and, and I was and last year, I mean looking at your top two scores for freshmen, you've got a strong obviously um, group that that's going to be obviously you've building that program back I and mean, it's had a lot of, a lot of highs and a lot of successes. what is mm-hmm. that what has that transition been for you obviously? coming from a place where you've been there a long time at Fairfield, taking over a program that, that has been up and down, and then basically kind of building it and, and, and what's the future looking like at, at UMass? Right. Well, I think I came at the right time at UMass as far
0: as, like, a young group. Yep. You know, uh, I, I, like I said before, at Rhode Island, we came in with seven freshmen. So my first year there, we had, I think, five or six freshmen um, last year. So as a new group, I could relate to them. I can let them know, you know, the ups and downs that they're gonna go through, and just try to, you know, help them with that that process. Um, like you said, we had a really good young group, some good freshmen, in Trey Mitchell and TJ uh, Weeks. We have Carl Pierre as a, a dynamic shooter. Um, we added some pieces this year that I think is gonna help us with Noah Fernandez, um, Ronnie DeGray, Javon Garcia, and Mark Gasparini. Um, so we have a really core group of guys. Some older guys with Mark Gasparin is a fifth-year guy. And we have the guys that played a lot last year as freshmen that got some experience in Atlantic 10. And we were pretty successful late in the year. Um, so, you know, with that experience, you know, you, you become a lot more mature. You'll be ready for the roadblocks. And hopefully we can get some wins.
1: What, uh, what has COVID done to you guys yet? Has it, has it hit you guys yet? Have you had to pause practice, yeah. workouts? And, and what do you think? this year is going to look like with COVID. Uh, I mean, are we going to get gonna, through it?
0: <laughs> I, I doubt it. I doubt it. It's going to be tough. Um, we had a couple people last week uh, test positive, so we had to take two weeks off. Um, so it, it's going to be a journey for everybody in college. I think everybody's going to get it. Um, or there's going to be teams that are going to play somebody that gets it and they have to cancel the games. you got going to have to readjust your schedule. Um, so it's going to be difficult, but we have to figure it out, you know, if we if we want to play, we're gonna to have to figure it out the best way we can, and, and if we don't play, you know it is a sport. You know the most important thing is to keep these kids healthy and keep our families healthy. So how the how have the day, the kids
1: how have the kids been about it? Like, are they
0: gung ho to play? they are. They are. Um, they, so they had to quarantine in the hotel room in their own rooms, and they don't like that. Um, but tough. you know, they get they, it is tough. You know, they talk about the mental health part of it um, for their kids. You know, they're going through a lot, you know. We've never been through this situation as players and as adults. So and if you have kids, you gotta you gotta deal with that and make sure that they're okay. Yep. So it's the same thing with our players. You know, they're trying their best to get through it. You know, they're not complaining, they're upbeat, they're excited, and they want to get back on the court.
1: Nice. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, all right, we'll get you out of here with this. We got two fun ones. And and this last yep. one is uh I wanna talk about the top three most heard sayings from a college basketball <laughs> coach you opened up before we started recording you opened up with one but what are the top three most heard <laughs> sayings from a college basketball coach
0: oh you put me on a spot well the one i know oh, you, you already know <laughs> the one i opened up with was if i was any better i'd be you
1: or oh my How you
0: doing?
1: <laughs> hey man, how you doing? Hey, if I was any better, I'd be you. I'd be you.
2: Cool. I'm just you walking into like an AAU event like seven oh. in the morning, coffee, oh. like waking yeah. up, and you got you just got to bring the energy. You're ready, getting ready to go. Yep. And that's sharp, yep. sharp response.
0: <laughs> the next one, obviously, is as soon as you see somebody when you walk into a facility is. What's going on, man? Oh, man, I'm on the grind, baby. I'm on that I'm grind. On grind. <laughs> yep. I'm on the grind. And the last one, usually, a lot, especially when you get a new job, a lot of coaches say, let me hold son. Let me get some half money. Let me hold <laughs> And, you Let know, me
1: hold something is good.
0: Or, or, like, so if you're, you know, you coach at Fairfield or something like that, and you see your boy, Antonio Dean, who coached at Clemson. Clemson, yeah. You're like, Antonio, let me hold something. You got lunch today and dinner. We'll put it on your schools
2: tab. <laughs> so that's the third one. I got it, one That got is when, when, so I, my senior year at Ohio was when Jim Christian left for BC. And our ops guy at the time was uh, Chip Cunningham, who's still with him now. He's loyal, he's been yep. teaching you. When they got that job, my man hit Court Street. All the managers came out, and it was young ACC money the entire rest of the way. <laughs> And that that I mean that, that's it. It's, it's, yeah. Yeah. Love you hold baby. I got honor, <laughs>
1: honorable got mention, me? honorable mention I got. Hey man, I'm just living the dream.
0: And, yep, yep. and then second
1: honorable mention is hey look man, I'm just trying to be like you. Yeah, trying to be that's like it, you.
0: yeah. That's, those <laughs> are the two honorable mentions. Listen, hey, I'm just trying to be no, like those you. two those two are on there for sure. Those are top five. First those are team, top five. first team. First hey, Steve. I'll, yeah. I'll add
2: in too, and this is shout out to Dante Jackson. My God, we got, we're going to have him on the pod too. No matter if you're a coach, no matter if you're a manager or anything, he's calling everyone coach. Coach, how are we this morning? Coach, how are yes. we? No yes. matter who it is, you could be high school kid. Right? Coach, how are we? Just yeah. blanket statement. Put you in the Exactly. You know, you know, you know one,
0: one thing I do do on the road, like I'll say, what's up, coach? Yep. And then I'll go to my Google to find out the coach's name, but yeah. so when I'm sitting there talking, I'll mention his name. <laughs> I'm terrible <That's> with names. That's <laughs> a
1: good one. That's a good one. That's a good yep. one. Coaches, Gotta have are that Google. Still passing out cards, or is it just no, your no,
0: no? There's I've no had more a cards card since my second year, third year at Fairfield. No more cards. <laughs> no more. I don't have any. No. Yeah,
1: yeah. That's it's for no. the better. Um, yeah. All right, let's try and get your uh, your Twitter count up. Where can everybody follow you?
0: Uh. So I, I had this name for a while, Tice Boogie 21. Like it. Yep. I think that T-Y- I think
1: means people can't guard you. That's how I read it.
0: That's, I mean, that, that's how it is. You know, that's- Tice Boogie 21. That's where I got it from. Um, <laughs> so that's it. At Tice Boogie 21, man.
1: All right, Coach. Well, listen, man, uh, if we were doing any better, we'd be you. We appreciate yep. you coming on the <laughs> This was awesome, ton of fun. Good luck this year, we'll be, uh, we'll be rooting for you and uh, we'll have you on when you guys are 10-0 and 0 and uh, you know, you're getting podcast requests from everybody.
0: Last thing,
2: also, yeah, you guys have to take, yep. Paul has, this is the last year, I think, Paul has a bet with Duquesne, a, right. a multi-year bet. Five, five-year bet. Five-year bet. Okay. That he okay. has basically lost the first four stages of that bet. I think the last <laughs> year was Duquesne winning the A-10. So, I, yeah, wow.
1: literally year five was Duquesne outright winning the A-10. I've lo- The only reason I didn't lose uh, year four is because of COVID. So year okay. one, like, I didn't think they were going to win 13 and, games. Yeah. Year two was like, they're not going to win 18 games. Like, they kept doing it. I'm like, what the
0: hell? Oh, they're a really good team. Big boys. Big, strong cats.
2: So I know, yeah. we're and especially Paul, we're going to be heavy on the Minutemen.
0: Yeah, I'm like down okay. 180 yeah. in this bet right now okay. <laughs> no, no. Stop bad man, stop bad. Guess and your rules. <laughs> All right, I appreciate you, man. Thank you. Appreciate it, man. Ball in. Appreciate you having me on, fellas. Thank you very much.
1: Lately, I've been feeling like this is what I've been working towards. If you ain't trying to be the boss, and tell me what you're working for. Certain doors are closed, but now they're opening up. Celebrating with some shots, maybe poke on a cup. pull. slush Russell's up next, and I got this.
0: Crazy like Britney and the love so toxic. Got a wall up, I'm trying to infiltrate a conscious. Taking 12 shots like where the cops is. Come on.